0: So how is everyone doing this morning? Good. Everybody ready for Christmas? All the presents are wrapped, houses decorated, everything's good to go? Anybody like me haven't started yet? My kids, my kids are starting to wonder if Christmas is happening. They're like, wait, we go to our friend's house and their house is all decorated. Yeah, No. Hey, so we're going to have some fun today. Uh, and just spend some time in God's Word and we're gonna be focusing on this idea today about supporting characters and any movie buffs in the house anybody love movies I love movies one of my favorite things to do to recharge refresh is go to a movie theater by myself I'm the weird guy in the back by himself yeah but it's just I love it you know it's just I just zone out for two hours watching movie. I love movies And since we're in the Christmas season, I'm watching a lot of Christmas movies. And one thing about a main Character in a movie, it, it doesn't matter how good the main character is. If the rest of the supporting cast doesn't carry the weight, doesn't do their part, it doesn't work, right? The supporting cast is so important to the main character and to the movie. And I thought it'd be fun. Let's just see. Here's some Christmas supporting actors. And you may know this guy right here. You know, the Christmas story. You got the main character, but then he, that's a big role, right? We remember that, you know? He, he's just, you know, he sticks his tongue on there because. He says it won't freeze, and it freezes. Big deal. Bummer. What about this one? Anybody know this one? Olaf, come on. My kids love him. He's the best. And what about this one right here? Anybody know him? From the Grinch? He's the dog. I love him in the movie. But I think the best supporting actors of all time in a Christmas movie has to go to these two. Amazing. (laughs) Right? Amazing. These guys are phenomenal. You know, like, can you imagine getting this role like, they're reading the script, and like, here's what's going to go into this role. Pretty much a bunch of horrible stuff is going to happen to you. You're going you're to be burnt. You're going to have stuff thrown at you. You are going to hurt really bad. And they were like, all right. You know, supporting actors. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We just pray that you would speak to us today, Father. That we would, we would lean into your presence today. That we would lean into your word that we would just spend time thinking of you in this time. Father, we love you. We ask that you would bless us. And and we lift up Pastor Dan to you once again, God, and just pray for you to continue to move in his life, for you to continue to bring healing. We trust you, Father. We trust you. Uh, And we just ask this all in your wonderful name. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about three Characters in the Christmas story who play a supporting role. They, they, they play a big role, but they play a supporting role to the main character of the Christmas story being Jesus, right? Jesus is the main character of the Christmas story. He's, he's everything about the story. But these three people play a big role in making the story happen. And what I want us to get by the end of this is for us to realize that we are in the story, we are in the Christmas story. Everyone in this room is in this story that we're going to dive into. And the first character we are going to be talking about is Mary. Mary. And I've titled her role The Servant. Mary The Servant. Uh, she's an amazing character. And oftentimes today we, 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 uh, we, we idolize Mary. We, we think about her role in this glamorous view. We think it's, But think about in her time. What Mary would have been going through. Most, uh, most theologians believe that Mary was about 15 or 16 years old, which was culturally relevant for that time. And, and she is a virgin giving birth. And think about this in the time, thousands of years ago, what that would have been like. The gossip, the, the rumor mill in the community, all the stuff that would have been said about Mary. And, and she is not just that, but she has the triumph. She has to, to give birth in a stable. Like we have fancy hospitals and all of that here. She gave birth in a stable, in the straw. And just think about Mary's life. She is a servant, and we're going to dive into what makes it. And there's two things that stick out to me when it comes to Mary and her life. Number one being this. God does not look at your earthly resume to determine your spiritual worth. God does not look at your earthly resume to determine your spiritual worth. Think about Mary in this time. She's young. She's poor. She's she's not like a high-up official, anything like that. But she is chosen to carry the Savior of the world. This is proof that God does not look at where you stand in your earthly standing to determine your spiritual impact. And that should bring hope to some of us today, because I know some of us in life feel like we're not where we wish we were. I don't know about you, but I've been in those seasons where I wished I was at a different level. I wished that I was in a different place in the world. But God doesn't determine his decisions off of that. And see, here's the thing about Mary. Her faith was stronger than her doubts, and her faith was stronger than the whispers of the crowd. I want that to sink in. Her faith was stronger than her doubts, and it was stronger than the whispers of the crowd, which leads me to my second point with Mary. Living boldly is not always easy, but it is always worth it. It is always worth it. When we live boldly for God, it doesn't mean that we're going to have an easy route, but it will always be worth it. Ministry assignments that are given to us by God, callings, and things that he calls us into are often some of the hardest seasons of our life. I think about, uh, I have a friend who decided to go into the mission field and decided to go into the mission field into the Middle East just a treacherous area right now for a Christian to be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes he'll call me crying, sometimes he'll call me stressed out, but he'll always tell me it is always worth it. Shane, it's always worth it. Because day after day, I get to see people come into the kingdom of Christ, give their life to Jesus. That's not gonna be easy, and it wasn't easy for Mary. In Luke 1, Verse 34, it says this, this is when the angel appears to Mary to tell her about her assignment. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have uh, found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son on the Most High. And his name will be sorry. I skipped a line. His name will be Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. And then she ends this in verse thirty-four with this. But how can this happen? Mary starts off her interaction with the angel of Lord uh, with the angel of the Lord with how can this happen? See, I call this question the what ifs, which we do all the time. God calls us into something. God's putting something on our heart, and our first reaction is the what ifs. How is this going to work? How am I going to be safe in this? How is this going to play out? There's always these what ifs. But one thing I love about Mary is you jump four verses down and she ends her conversation with the angel of the Lord like this. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Mary was focused on what she knew the Lord would do through her. At the end of this time, she turned her what ifs into the he is. She turned all of her questions, all of her doubts into reminding herself how big God is. How many times do we need to do that in our life? To change our our what ifs, to, to change our doubts, to flip the script in this story and remember who he is. I know that we have seasons that lead to questions And it's easy to stay in the season of questions, what if, what if, what if. But I'm trying to practice myself changing those what ifs to he is. The moment those questions seek into my heart, they find their way into my life, I'm trying to remind myself how big God is. Mary understood that God had chosen her to serve him, and she willingly obeyed. That was it. She knew her calling And she chose to obey. She didn't know the outcome. She didn't know how it was gonna work out. She just chose to obey. And I love that about Mary. That's why I title her the servant, because she had such a servant's heart. Whatever you call me to do, God, I'll do. Whatever season you put me in, I'm there. I hope that through this Christmas season and for the rest of our lives, we can learn something from Mary. That that our earthly standing doesn't determine our, our standing with God. That when he calls us into it, he's got our back. Amen? So Mary's our first supporting character. And then we find our way to our second supporting character, Joseph. Joseph, I'm titling the background player. Joseph's the background player. Because, I mean, think about Mary, uh, what her cultural view would have been at the time, but think about Joseph. He's engaged to Mary, and and she's pregnant. Think about the things that would have been said to him. She's lying to you, Joseph. There's no way this is true. This is impossible. She's lying to you. She's, She's tricking you. Why don't you just leave her, Joseph? Because in that time... He could have remarried, and people would have been telling him, you are going to lose all your credibility because your wife has conceived, and it's not yours. Leave her. And luckily, Joseph chose to listen to the angel of the Lord and trust God in this. See, Joseph signed up for a background role for his whole life when he submitted to God. Joseph signed up to play the background for his entire life. And the question I want us to learn from this is if we do something for God and no one ever noticed and no one ever gave us credit, is that enough? Is us serving God, fulfilling God's calling in our life, are we, is it about getting credit or is it about being obedient to God? Joseph didn't get any credit for how big his role was. We have to ask ourselves this question, what drives us? What drives us? Is it, is it, is it man's approval or is it God's approval? Now, I'm just going to have a moment of transparency with you. Anybody who knows me knows I like to be the life of the party. I walk into a room and I want people to like me. You know, is that weird? Like I like to tell jokes, I, I like to be you know, people to notice me and this is something that I have to constantly check myself in. When I, in my ministry assignment, what God has called me to, why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? And we have to ask ourselves the same thing. Are we doing it so people will notice, so people will say, good job. Or are we doing it strictly out of the heartbeat of obeying God? And that being enough. It says this in Matthew 6, 4. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. See, it's easier to do what's right when people see it. That's why we say all the time that sin, hardships, pain, all of that grows when no one's watching, because it's easy to do things right, to do things good, when you're gonna get credit, when people are gonna notice. It's, it's, let me give an example of this. I, I remember um, this season in my life where I, I was just trying to help people in the community, and I, I wanted to go take water bottles to people on the street who would need it. And, and I remember like doing this and handing out these water bottles and that person just so thankful. But then I had to battle this internally, this thing back and forth of I am doing this strictly because God has called me to do it. No one will ever know about this. Well, you know about it now. <laughs> but we have to check ourselves. What drives us? What drives you to be an authority a, a, follower, uh, uh, an obedient person, is it man's celebration? Or is it just God's approval? I hope that we can get to that place where what drives us is just God being pleased with us, no matter what. Because man's celebration does not live forever. People, people noticing you, people celebrating you, that does not live forever, but we will live forever, and will be with God. So I want to be driven by His approval. There's a character uh, in, to, uh, that was just recently celebrated. He was a Russian officer, and he lived in the Cold World, uh, the Cold War times, and his name was Vasily Arkhipov. Here's a picture of him. This is Vasily Arkhipov. And does anybody know who that is? No. None of you know who this guy is. But this guy right here was just rec- recently recognized as the person who stopped World War III. Th- this Russian soldier was said to stop, have stopped World War III because what happened was is U.S. ships were in the, the oceans by Cuba, and they were dropping non-lethal Depth charges. They were just dropping these these depth charges off in the ocean, and there was a Russian submarine that that was in in the area at the time, and they took this as an attack. They thought the US had started a war. So there's three senior officers in the submarine. And for them to make the decision to retaliate, all three have to say go. And the first officer is approached, and he says, send the nukes. And the second officer is approached, and he, sends, he says, send the nukes. And they get to Facili. And he, think about the pressure of this decision. He's the last one. It's up to him. He said no. He said no. Something in him told him to say no to this moment. So they couldn't launch the nukes. And life continued to go on. Nobody knew about Vasily, nobody knew anything about him until 55 years later. 55 years later, he was just presented the award, first of its kind, called the Future of Life Award. He did such an amazing thing for humanity. He did such a big thing for the future of the world, but never got the credit, never got the celebration, never got the moment. But I think if you asked, if he was to ask all of us today, would we say it was worth it? Yes, it was. I just, we have to check our hearts, just like Joseph. He was, honestly, what Joseph is destined to be in this Christmas story is a custodian. He's a custodian to Jesus. He's not the father of Jesus. God is the father of Jesus. His his assignment in life was to watch over a son that wasn't his. But Joseph plays a big role in Jesus' story. When When he takes this assignment and decides to listen, Joseph plays a very key role because Joseph is the tie through marriage to Mary that fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus coming from the line of David. Think about that. Joseph was that connection point. He, he had to make a decision to follow God, to, to give up everything, to not care what people think, to not care what people say about him, what they say about his wife, to not care to play this custodian role, to look after Jesus, to take care of him. He had to take this role, knowing that he would never get the credit. I ask myself this, do we have the same heartbeat? Do we have the same heartbeat as Joseph? To to take that background role. To step back, to not get the celebration, I heard a story. There was a revival in the revival, and that's a, a large movement of God happens in an area in Southern California in the '60s. And there was a man who was kind of given credit for it, this preacher, this communicator, this, this big, loud preacher that people would gather in the thousands to hear him talk about Jesus. And one day they were doing an interview of him, and they said, "What is what's the trick?" Well, how are you doing this? What did you do to make this happen? And this big preacher, this guy who had thousands and thousands and thousands of people showing up to hear him preach, said, It wasn't me. See, for ten years, before I moved to this town, there was a, a group of three widows who would walk a mile every day in a square around the town. And they would pray over the town. He said, I believe that was the moment revival started in this town. It was not because of my preaching, but the, the prayers and the heart of three women who believed for greatness for their town. Those three women would never get the celebration. They would never stand on the stage. They would never have that moment. But what they did in the background mattered. And I I just want to end with this with Joseph and this background story. There's people in your life who play a background role for you. There's people in your life who are doing things for you that you don't even know and maybe you don't even always appreciate. Take some time this year to think about who those people are. Thank them. Thank them for what they do and they don't get any credit for. And if you're someone in here who feels like that, You're someone in here who feels like, I just do so much. I do so much, and I never get the credit. That's hard. It takes a strong person to do that. And I want to say this to you today. You might not get the credit on earth, but you will get the credit for eternity. The impact you are making, the role you are playing, the things you are doing now will shape eternity for people. So keep going. Don't give up, amen? You guys still with me? All right, third point here. We're gonna be talking about King Caesar. King Caesar, he's a supporting character in this Christmas story. And I like to call him the necessary evil. The necessary evil. There's always a villain in every movie, right? And he is the necessary evil. King Caesar, uh, it says this in Micah 5, 2. I want to explain why he's the necessary evil. Let me shape the stage of King Caesar a little bit. In the Roman Empire, someone of his stature being Caesar would have been viewed as a godlike figure. He would have been almost worshipped by his people. So think about this. There's prophecies being fulfilled that Jesus, the Messiah, the king has come. And if you're someone like Caesar who is a godlike figure, someone who is worshipped by people, that would be an attack, right? Someone someone would be attacking your authority, questioning your power. But here's why he is the necessary evil. In Micah 5.2, it says this, But O Bethlehem, They're only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in distant past, will come from you on my behalf. This prophecy, proclaiming, proclaiming where the Messiah will come from in Micah. Bethlehem. King Caesar, this necessary evil, makes a decree to call for a census, when Mary is pregnant that sends Mary and Joseph back to Bethlehem. Can I be honest with you? As I was preparing this message this week, this part right here wrecked me to my core. It it just made me question everything that this, this, this secular ruler made a decree that made it possible for, for a prophecy to be fulfilled, that God used a decree from a secular ruler, a political power, to bring glory to his name, to bring Jesus into the picture. Think about that. No matter what, where you align politically, no matter how we view the world right now, There's tension, there's tension. When I read this, I I was reminded that God is bigger than any political party. God is bigger than any ruler, so much so that people will make decisions not even knowing that they're sending the Son of God to the place where he needs to be born to fulfill that prophecy. God will use political powers for his glory, for, for him to be famous. What we have to remind ourselves in this season of is who is really in control. Who's really in control? It doesn't matter what ruler sets on what throne for what season, God is in control. He sees the bigger picture. He sees what the future holds. He sees you in it. God is in control. I, I remind, as I was reading this, I was reminded of a, a time in my past where I felt like life was out of control. And It was when I was a little bit younger. It was Y2K. Anybody remember that? The computers were going to take over. Terminator was coming. I was a young, younger guy. And I remember I went to, we always spent like New Year's and Christmas at my grandma's house. She lived in a small town, literally like 30 people. And there was this beautiful little church that about five families in the community faithfully attended every Sunday. But I had been watching all the news. I had been seeing all the stories that at midnight, computers are turning on us Com- they're, they're coming for us which is funny now is like an older person I look back at I'm like it was midnight on the east coast three hours before it got to me <laughs> you know like, I gotta look at it different than that but I was a kid so um, I remember we they threw a, a new year's eve party celebration at my grandma's church it was bumping like there was like 20 people there and I find myself in this thing just freaking out about the end of the world, like crying hysterically. I was so scared. I went and I, I found my way to the sanctuary of the church. They were back in the, the room partying. I found my way to the sanctuary with the old wooden pews, and the stained glass windows, and I just fell to my knees. Not even a believer. I, I, I didn't even believe yet. But I just remember stressing so much. I was so worried. I was like, well, if I'm going to go, maybe it's time to get my life in order. So I start just crying out to God in a way I don't even know how to do. Just like, how are you going to let this happen? What's going to happen? And my sweet grandma, who probably, just like those women who prayed over that town for revival to happen, and was probably praying for me her whole life, walks into this small church sees her little grandson bawling and asks me what's wrong. And I, of course, as a kid, Grandma, (laughs) we don't have a lot of time together. (laughs) I'm sorry, I wish I was a better grandson. And I, I just remember her smiling. Why do you think, why do you think something that God created would take control from the Creator? Think about that. The person who created the computer was created by God. That means God is smarter than any computer. The the, the person who is in power, like King Caesar, was created by God. Why would we think they have more power than God? We have to remind ourselves who is in control. No matter what turmoil our world has fallen into no matter how we feel, what our perspective of the world is at this very moment, we need to remind ourselves that God is in control. He will use all of this for his glory. He will bring people to him through trying times. It's just how we respond. Because if you look at this story, Mary was unqualified, God chose her. Joseph was gonna get no credit but he chose eternal credit instead. And Caesar was against God, but God is still in charge. It is easy to look at this Christmas story and view it as something that is in the past, thousands of years ago. It's easy to do that. But like I said, you are in this story. Because the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus, is not a story that stopped thousands of years ago see the devil oh this is good a little time later about 33 years later the devil thought he stopped it when Jesus hung on the cross and died for you and me but lucky for us Jesus said psych I'm back Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and the Christmas story continues. It's how we respond to this story that, that matters. Jesus is not some dead idol that was thousands of years ago. Jesus is still alive today. The Christmas story is still for me. People are still coming to Jesus. So what you might be asking, what is our role in this? What is our role in this Christmas story, Shane? Our role is to love like no one else. Our role is to give like no one else. To trust like no one else. To believe like no one else. So when people look at us, when they look at our life, they don't see stress, they don't see fear, they don't see panic. All they see is the glory of Jesus Christ. That he was born as a baby. And we get to be role characters today. We get to play a role in this, this amazing story, this rescue plan from heaven, that people are still finding rescue today. I pray that we would remember that this season, that Jesus isn't dead, people. Jesus is alive. And he says in his word that when he he, he ascended to heaven, something greater is coming because he wasn't going to have to be in one place on earth. He was going to live in all of us and we would have the opportunity to listen to him, to play our role and lead people to him. So I pray that's our heartbeat this season. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you and we praise you. We pray that you would remind us this season what our role is in this. That our role to to play the servant, for us to play the background player, And, Father, we trust that you are in charge, that you are in power, God, that you control the results. We thank you for this rescue plan called Christmas. We give this all to you in your holy name. Amen.